What is going on, sports fans, and welcome into Season 5, Episode 8 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. We've got a lot to get to on this week's show, including an NBA playoff preview with friend of the program, recurring guest Chauncey Seeger. He stops by to chat about all things coming up in the NBA playoffs. We give you our predictions, our picks, some upsets, some league-wide storylines to watch as the association gets set for their playoffs happening this week. So that's going to be Part 2 of the episode. Part 1 is yours truly, talking about the first 10 games or so in the MLB season, my takeaways from that, including with your Cleveland Guardians. So it's another great episode, and we are excited to get it going. Today is Tuesday, April 11th. Let's go. Glad that you're here today. It is season five, episode eight of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, and your Cleveland Guardians are in first place in the American League Central. And also, before we get into the MLB, the Yukon Huskies win the uh, NCAA Men's National Championship. Congratulations to Yukon on their fifth title. They were the best team in the whole tournament, and they dominated. So that's my quick recap of the NCAA tournament. Yukon won every game by double digits and they kind of dominated everybody in their path but let's get to the MLB the Guardians are in first place so we'll I guess we'll start there 10 games or so through the MLB season the Guardians have played 11 and the Guardians are 7 and 4 they sit in first place in the AL Central with a half game lead over the Minnesota Twins but the Guardians I feel like their style of play is you know it's the it's the brand of baseball you know the disgusting brand of baseball whatever whatever you like you like to call it um they don't hit a lot of home runs. They're de- the Guardians are tied for dead last in the league in home runs through the first through their first eleven games with five home runs. They haven't hit a home run in forty four innings, but they still sit at seven and four. Things I've liked so far from the Guardians. Number one, I think the biggest strength of this team is their bullpen, and in order to win in October, in order to win championships, which this Guardians team has championship aspirations, they have to have a good bullpen, and they've had it so far. Emmanuel Classe hasn't been the Classe of last year, the year before, but he's still been very, very good. Karen Chack had a great outing against the Yankees last night. Then you got guys in the bullpen like Trevor Steffen, uh, Angel De Los Santos, um, Nick Sandlin, and Tim Heron. Terre Haute's own Tim Heron stepping up. And so the bullpen is the strength of this team. And so that is a good sign for the Guardians. One weakness right now is the starting pitching. And part of it's due to injury. So Tristan McKenzie is out the first eight weeks. He got an injury in his last spring training start. He's out until at least May 29th. They just put him on the 60-day injured list. 
And now, yesterday, the news broke that Aaron Savalli, the Guardians' number three starter currently, who had a great start to the year, two good starts against Seattle, is now on the injured list with, I believe it's an oblique injury. So he's on the 10-day injured list. So they're missing two starters due to injury. So they got Hunter Gaddis, who's a rookie, and Peyton Bannon. Peyton Battenfield, who's a rookie, coming up here and making these starts in place of those two guys. And it's tough for the Guardians because now, I know it's early in the season, it's April, but just taking a look, in my opinion, and a lot of other baseball, you know, podcasters, writers, uh, uh, experts, analysis, uh, analysts, their opinions is that the AL Central right now is a two-team race, and it's going to be a two-team race all season long between the Guardians and the Twins. The White Sox people, sometimes some people like to throw in there. I'm not going to throw them in there. I think it's really a two-team race between the Guardians and the Twins. So with that being said, when I was prepping for this episode, I looked at the Twins' schedule and the Guardians' schedule for the entire season. And it's kind of an opposite. You flip it on its head. The Twins start off... Um, their first two month, two and a half months of the season are brutal. They play a bunch of playoff teams from last year. They play a bunch of playoff teams so that we think that a lot of people are think are going to be playoff teams or in contention for the playoffs this season, the first two and a half months. But in the last couple months for the Twins, they have a lot easier schedule against some of the worst, the worst teams in the AL and the NL. The Guardians, on the other hand, it's reversed. They have a lot of easy games the first two and a half months. They have a lot of hard games the last couple months. So what the Guardians need to do right now is they need to try and build a substantial enough lead that they can hold through the end of the season in these first two and a half months. I'm talking at least a double-digit lead. That is what the Guardians need to do because you're not going to be able to put away the Twins with the easy schedule they have in the, um, the last half of the season. So, But it's going to be hard to do that when you're missing two of your starting pitchers. So they need... If it's the bullpen to step up, if it's the lineup to score more runs, or if it's just Hunter Gaddis and Peyton Battenfield holding down the fort until these guys get back, they need to figure out a way to do that because they need to be competitive and uh, competitive and in contention and leading the division, in my opinion, after these first two and a half months of the seasons to give themselves a, a chance at winning the AL Central back-to-back years. The lineup and the power, the lack of power, is sort of a concern. Um, for the Guardians, the last team through their 10 games in the MLB to make the playoffs and hit only five home runs or less in their in their first 10 games was the 2002 Angels, who, of course, won the World Series. The last Cleveland team and the only Cleveland team to make the playoffs and hit five home runs or fewer for their first 10 games is the 1920 Cleveland Indians, who also won the World Series. So... There hasn't been a team with this lack of power through their first 10 games that has made the playoffs in 21 years. So that's a little bit concerning to me as a Guardians fan. But if you want to look, you know, glass half full, uh, the last Cleveland team to hit that few home runs and make the playoffs won the World Series. So there's that. Um, Some things the Guardians need to have turn around. First of all, one thing that I think that the Guardians need to do is they need to, you know, restructure this lineup. Because Ahmed Rosario is hitting second still. And I think to give yourself the best chance to win, I think the Guardians need to hit Jose Ramirez second and hit Andres Jimenez third. Obviously, the Guardians did sign Andres Jimenez to a $100 million extension. I love it for the Guardians. They also signed Trevor Steffen, who's a great arm out of the back end of their bullpen to 
uh, multi-year extension. I love that move as well. But Andre Semenez this season has been Cleveland's best hitter consistently. And he hits lefties well enough. He had an 887 OPS against lefties last year. And he is a left-handed hitter. But he hits lefties well enough where I don't mind hitting two lefties back-to-back to start at the top of the lineup with Quan and Jimenez. And I think, or you could put Ramirez in second if you want to split the lefties up. But what I'm saying is I think you you need to maximize the amount of at-bats and the amount of RBI opportunities that Andre Semenez Andre gets because in the seven hole where he's been hitting most of the season, that's not going to happen. And it's nothing against Ahmed Rosario. I think Ahmed Rosario is a good player. I'm a little bit higher on Ahmed Rosario than a lot of others are. I think Rosario, but Rosario is a notorious notoriously slow starter we've seen it the last two full seasons he's played in Cleveland he starts slow in the month of April especially it's just what he does there's nothing you can do to change it but he always gets it going and he always is going to end up with an average close to 280 and he's going to be top five in the American League in hits and he's going to be top five in the American League in multi-hit games but if you want to win these games early like I just said that the Guardians need to do they I think, should put Jimenez in the three-hole and Ramirez in the two-hole, move Rosario down in the lineup until he starts getting on that tear. Then you can move him up to the two-hole if that's where you want him to hit. That's my opinion on how they should handle the, the lineup. They do need to get Josh Bell and Josh Naylor going. Both of them have struggled. Josh Bell especially has struggled. Bell, at least, is walking a lot. He's just not hitting. But encouraging signs from the lineup is that Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw are both hitting. And when the lineup turns over like that, it's like you have two leadoff hitters. So that is good news for the Guardians. But the Guardians, 7-4. and four, They took four out of seven games against the Mariners. They took two out of three from the A's. And they won last night's series opener against the New York Yankees. So, so far, a good, se- a good start to the season for the Guardians. I think there is a lot they need to clean up. But once Josh Bell and once Jose start hitting, this lineup is going to take off. And then the power numbers won't be a worry anymore. The big storyline in the MLB as we transition is the uh, Tampa Bay Rays are 10-0. The first MLB team to start 10-0 in a season since 1987. So it's been a long time. Obviously, when you look at who the Rays have played, it is not very surprising that they're 10-0 since they have played the Tigers, the Nationals, and the A's, and then the Red Sox for one game. You'd think probably that they should win seven out of nine of those games against the Tigers, the the Nationals, and the A's, three of the worst teams in the league. But instead of winning seven, they won all nine. Then they won the series opener against the Red Sox last night. But the Rays are good. They've got a good rotation. And I can see them challenging for the AL East. The AL East as a whole, everybody is above 500 in that division. The Central's shaking up how you would expect it to. Um, And then you got the Rangers, Angels, and Astros all sort of similar records in the West. It's way too early to tell anything here. I'm just kind of digging through these standings. Um, the Pirates have been good through 10 games. So have the Diamondbacks, surprisingly. Those are the two surprise teams, I would say, through 10 games. But so far, it's been a great start to the MLB season, and I'm excited to see where it goes the next – we got a long season left. Uh, these 10 games, it's like 1-16th of the MLB season. It's the equivalent to one week in the NFL. So we still got – a full season ahead of us in Major League Baseball. And every team is has a chance to, uh, to, to do something right now, and that's the beauty of the MLB. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Chauncey Seager in an NBA preview. You won't want to go anywhere. Stay with us. 
This is wrestling legend John Cena, and you can't see me, but you're listening to this week's episode, Jack of All Trades. Here's part two. All right, we now welcome on a very, very special guest, friend of the program, all the way across the country, across the world, excuse me, Chauncey Seeger. Uh, my friend, recurring guest, uh, we're talking some NBA action, NBA playoffs today, and we're doing this Zoom interview over video. Obviously, the listeners will not be able to see the video, but Chauncey's got a sign that says Bulls Moneyline, the Chicago fan that he is, very confident in the Bulls in their play and matchup. So, Chauncey, welcome to the show. Any thoughts about the NBA regular season or any initial thoughts you want to get off your chest before we get into this playoff preview? I'm super excited to be here. Always good to be considered a friend of the show. This is the most I've ever followed the NBA during the regular season. And I'm so excited for the playoffs. So many great storylines to get into. One team that's missing from the playoffs, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, obviously, they were in the conference finals last year. They kind of made an all-in move in season getting Kyrie. Um, and it just didn't work out. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, the collapse of Luka and Kyrie and the Mavericks? I mean, we've, we talked about it while it was happening, but any thoughts you want to get out there on the podcast to, to let the world know? Of course. So my first thought is next year is arguably the most important year in Mavericks franchise history. Next year is going to determine was this year the one that wasn't normal or was two years ago where they made the conference finals, the one that wasn't normal. One is going to get considered an aberration by the history books and next year is going to help decide that. As far as the tanking thing, I think it was pathetic what they did. Unfortunately, the NBA system rewards it. One reason I am primarily an NFL fan over an NBA fan is I just don't enjoy the NBA regular season product as much. Now, while I totally disagree with what the Mavs did and I think it's, I think it's bad for the league, I don't see how it's different or, and I definitely don't see how it's worse from what the Jazz and Blazers have been doing for weeks. The Jazz were the 10 seeded and won four of five and Danny Ainge shut everyone down. They ended the last 10 games finishing two and eight. And then a few weeks ago, still a few games and uh, only just a few games back, the Blazers pulled Dame and they ended one and nine. And it just doesn't make sense to me why this one game is so much more egregious than that or teams tanking for years. Nobody can tell you with a straight face the Sixers were trying to win during the process. No one can tell you the Spurs were trying to win this year. So those are my thoughts. I agree. And to your point, you know, the Mavericks, uh, I think in that game that they, you know, played Luka a quarter and rested all their players, they had to win to have a chance at making the playoffs. They had to have a win. But the fact is they kind of looked at themselves and I think that they thought, you know, we have to win two games. We have to have the Thunder lose one of their two games. We're not in control of this. We have a top 10 protected pick that if it falls outside the top 10 goes to the New York Knicks. Why don't we just lose and have that pick in the top 10? And I understand why the Mavericks did that. I think they might, might think that's a better avenue. I'm not sure if Kyrie Irving's going to resign. I'm not sure if it's going to be in Dallas. I'm not sure if he's going to get – I mean, who's going to really want that baggage that he brings with him? Than his next team, maybe Charlotte. I don't know. Maybe a team like that who just wants to fill seats right now and knows that he's a generational talent. But I, I just, I'm interested to see where the Mavericks go because they got to fix it fast. Because although Luca just did sign that max extension a couple off seasons ago, they need to start winning fast because Luca Luca's run in Dallas right now reminds me a lot of LeBron's first run in Cleveland, and we all know he ended up in Miami. So for Luca's sake, for the Dallas Mavericks fans' sake. I hope that is not the case. But enough about a team that didn't make the playoffs. Let's talk about the teams that did make the playoffs. A great, great 
some great matchups in the first round, especially in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Playing gets started tonight with two games and then tomorrow with two games, and then we have the playoffs start later this week. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Um, I believe the playing matchups, I think it's Toronto versus Chicago, and then it's Atlanta versus Miami are the two playing games. And then you've got the Bucks as the one seed, and then you got the – I'm drawing a blank here. Who's, who's the two seed? The Celtics are the two seed, so they're wait, awaiting the winner of those play-ins. And then the other two series are Sixers, Nets, and Cavs, Knicks. So some good matchups there, Chauncey. Let's just go right off the right off the cuff here, right off the dome, and get into our bracket predictions. I'll start with you. Let's just give your general outlook on the Eastern Conference, if you will. Of course. So besides the Bulls handily dispatching Toronto tomorrow, that's basically set in stone. So for the first round, whoever comes out of it, whether it's Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago, I got the Bucks in four. They're playing like the best team in basketball. They've been the best team in basketball. This is the no call, no questions there. I got Cleveland winning in six. I think the Knicks are going to win those first two games at home, but at the end, Cleveland's just better. And Donovan Mitchell knows that this is some of the most talent he's had around him. He's finally free of Rudy Gobert. This is his chance to really try and go on a deep playoff run. And then on the other side of the bracket in the East, I think Philly obliterates Brooklyn. Brooklyn's just happy to be here. Bridges looks like he's really turning into a star. And so that's they have a great, great outlook for the future, given that the situation seems totally hopeless just a few months ago. And then I have Boston winning, but in seven against the Heat. I think that playoff Jimmy Bam is insane in the paint. Robert Williams isn't going to be able to get as much done against him. I think that series is going to be the downfall of Boston because I think Philly is going to have an extra four, maybe five days rest before the series. In the in round two, I got unfortunately the Cavs losing to the Bucks in five and then I have Philly winning in six I think again the Heat are going to be the downfall of the Celtics they're going to get tired the Heat play more physical than just about any team in basketball Joel Embiid's got to break through eventually he's very high up right now on the list of best players to ever not make a conference finals it's like him and Bernard King so one of these years he's going to break through and then I have the Bucks beating the Sixers in six to move to the finals I like it. Um, I agree with most of your picks there. Bucks in four over whoever they get out of the play. And I mean, they are clearly the best team, I think, in the NBA. Obviously, Giannis, I think ever since they won that title, I've said Giannis is the best player in the league and the best player in the world. And I still think he is. So I like the Bucks there. Cavs-Knicks is a tough series um, for the Cavs, I think. I think the key for the Cavs, I do think the Cavs win in six. I think the key for the Cavs is Evan Mobley. I think if the Cavs want to make a deep playoff run and win a playoff series, they need Evan Mobley to be their second best player. Cause obviously Donovan Mitchell is going to be their best player, but when Evan Mobley is their second best player, the Cavs win a lot of games. I think Evan Mobley is the defensive player of the year, in my opinion, but if he takes that, if he take, can t- he can take over games offensively. And when he does, there's nothing that the Knicks can do about it. And so I think if he can not only limit Julius Randle on the defensive end, but also take over some games in the offensive end, they're not going to be able to stop the Cavs. So I like the Cavs in six. Elsewhere, I like the Sixers in five over the Nets. Um, like you said, the Nets have a great future. With uh, Bridges is obviously going to be a star. It looks like Coach Jock Vaughn has got it figured out there. Especially a good season for the Nets. The fact that they're still in a playoff series, 
the fact that I think they're going to win a playoff game in the year, which they started with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and ended with neither of them to still make the playoffs is a good, good season for the Nets. And then I like the Celtics over Miami in six, but I think it will hurt the Celtics. Like you said, the next round I was telling you yesterday, I think the heat are a tough team. Obviously they have that experience. They were, I think a shot away from the finals last year. And then you look at it. I think Eric Spolster is one of the top, five coaches in the league. He has that playoff experience. He's won two titles. You got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And I think the Heat are such a tough team that they're not going to win the title this year. But if you play them in the playoffs, you're not going to win the title either. So I like the Bucks, sadly, over the Cavs in the second round. I'll give the Cavs two games, and I'll say it goes six. I think the Cavs play very well at home, and I think they'll be able to give the Bucks some trouble. They did win the season series against the Bucks, but I think Giannis is too much. I can't pick against Giannis against the Cavs. And I think the Cavs, a successful season in their mind, they know that winning one playoff series is kind of the goal this year. So I like the Bucs to move on to the conference finals. I like the Sixers, I think, in seven against the Celtics. I think the Celtics having home court, they'll be able to push it to seven. But if Embiid and James Harden are both on, I mean, I think the Sixers are better than pretty much any team out there. If th- those two are playing at the peak of their powers. And I do like the Bucs over the Sixers in the conference finals. So I think we have the same uh, Eastern Conference bracket there. Um, it's pretty straightforward to me and uh, not a lot of upsets. I feel like that'll change as we get into the Western Conference, though. Uh, some bold predictions, I feel like, coming out on the West side. Maybe it seemed out of the play and making the conference finals at least from each of us. I don't know. We'll see. But, Chauncey, what is your outlook on the West? Do you think Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets, are as a one seed, should be the favorites to go to the finals? We... <laughs> We don't we don't want to start that one. We don't have enough time for this. Here's what I'm gonna say. I hope with every every piece of my soul that the Lakers lose tonight to the Timberwolves so that they can win and get the catch the nuggets in round one. That's just that's my ideal scenario. I here's what I'll say. Can mark this down April 11th. Neither the Nuggets nor the Warriors are making the conference finals. They just will not get there. So I have Denver for the play-in. I do think the Lakers are going to beat the remnants of the Timberwolves tonight. So it'll be Memphis versus the Lakers, and it'll be Nuggets versus uh, who knows, man. But I think the Nuggets win their series. I think the Phoenix Suns are going to dispatch the Clippers in six. By the way, what a catastrophe for the Clippers winning that game on Sunday. That's on the coach. That's on the organization. Did you see – I don't know if you saw this, but there is a clip of Ty Lue on the bench. He asked one of his assistants, what's the score of that other game? Talking about, I think it was the Timberwolves game. And because they, the Clippers considered losing there for a minute when they heard what the score was of the other game, but they didn't. And I thought they should have. I just, so the Warriors at halftime, you got to have somebody in your building who says, look, the Warriors are winning by a thousand. All you have to do is rest Kawhi, which is logically consistent with how you've been this year and say you need him healthy for the playoffs. And then you dodge the Suns. Also, maybe you can say, oh, Kawhi isn't scared of Kevin Durant. He's not scared of the Suns. Even if that's true, Paul George is coming back, but not yet. So why not face the Suns in round two when you have a healthy Paul George? Also, the Suns are such a juggernaut right now, but they have so many health issues that you want to play the Suns as late as possible. The finals, then the Western Conference finals, you do not want this team in the first round. So it just seems like total malpractice. What is the goal here? If the goal is to win the finals, just dodge the Suns, man. So I got the Suns, unfortunately, taking out the Clippers. You know what we're doing this year, Jack? 
we're lighting the damn beam. Kings in seven. I'm so sorry. Plus 200 Kings to win the series. The Warriors are just so unserious on the road. You just, you can't say they're going to win a road playoff series. I think for the good of the sport, they need to do poorly in the playoffs because they had a lackadaisical regular season doesn't matter attitude, which, you know, they're the champs. They have the right to do that. I respect that. But they went one in 20 in road games against winning teams. If they win the title or make a deep run and win a bunch of road playoff games, I think it's bad for the health of the sport because no one's going to care about the regular season anymore. If Steph Curry is just so good that he can just walk in and win and it doesn't matter what seed he has, then why should other teams care about the regular season? So Kings in seven. I think that Draymond is going to have some trouble with Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox is obviously unguardable. So there you have it. And then I do have the Lakers winning the first round against the Grizzlies. I think I do think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best option in the whole West to guard 80, but that team just doesn't have the experience. And I think LeBron and AD are just gonna just gonna clean up against this younger team. Second round, we're going with the classic. Suns in four. Phoenix is going to wipe Denver off the face of the earth. This will be a laugher of a series. And then on the other side, I have LeBron James dispatching the Kings in six conference finals. We got Suns versus Lakers. Now I'm picking this partially because unfortunately, I think it's unlikely that both Kevin Durant and Chris Paul will be healthy at the time. I have the Lakers winning in seven to go to the finals. I like it. Um, Lakers as a seven seed making the finals a little bit of a little bit of an upset, but it's LeBron. I mean, the Lakers got to make the most of these years that they have LeBron. So, I mean, they should be going all in, but in the West, I have a similar bracket. I think maybe some differences there, but I like the nuggets in the first round over whoever they get. I do think if the Lakers were to lose tonight, which I don't think they will and, and be the eight seed, I think they would take out the nuggets as well, but I think the nuggets beat anybody who is the eight, except the Lakers. I'll say it like that. So I like the Nuggets to win their first round series. Suns Clippers is interesting. I think if Paul George was fully healthy, I might pick the Clippers here, but he's not. And like you said, why would you, why would you want to play the Suns when they're fully healthy when you don't have Paul George? If you wait until the second round, you maybe have Paul George and who knows, maybe the Suns are a little bit beat up after their first round series against, I don't know, the Warriors. Like, come on. It, it's just common sense from the Clippers there, but I like the Suns to win and it and probably Probably six. I'll give Kawhi two games there. Russ versus KD in the playoffs is going to be fun. I hope they get into a into a fight. Chauncey, you got and something to. Yep. The other thing too, if they if they dodge the Suns, they're on the other side of the bracket. They'd be the six mm-hmm. or the seven. They wouldn't catch Phoenix until the conference finals a month from now. Paul George would be totally back to normal. It just it's a disaster. And that's part of the reason why I think the Lakers and Warriors as the lower seeds got a little bit more of a favorable draw on the bracket because they don't have to see the Nuggets or the Suns until the, the hypothetical conference finals. So I like the Suns to beat the Clippers. Then the 3-6 matchup, the Kings and the Warriors. This one I've gone back and forth on all night. Mike Brown, obviously the coach of the Kings. I think he'll be the coach of the year. Um, a lot of history with the Warriors was an assistant coach on uh, a bunch of those championship teams in the early 2010s with uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and all them. So he knows Steve Curry, knows that system. The Kings' offense, I actually think, is going to give the Warriors trouble. The Kings have fantastic spacing on offense. De'Aaron Fox is great. DeMontis Sabonis is great. 
I like the Kings in seven as well. I mean, I think it's a little bit of an upset. I, I, I like light in the beam. I think it's a little bit of an upset, but like you said, the Warriors did not take the regular season seriously. And us NBA fans have come so accustomed to teams like the Warriors, like LeBron used to do back in the day when he was on the Cavs, that they could just flip a switch and turn it on in the playoffs. And But I think the Warriors, you know, Steph Green, Clay Thompson, Steph has dealt with a lot of injury this year. Clay is not the same player. Andrew Wiggins was away from the team for a long time. I think this Warriors team is not a Warriors team that can just not try the majority of the regular season, especially playing horribly on the road, and then flip the switch and win the finals. I don't think they are that. I don't think this Warriors team has that has enough talent. I don't think they have enough health to be able to do that. So I think the Kings win their first playoff series in a long time. Good for the Kings. They're playing their first uh, game on ABC since 2007. That shows you how long it's been since the Kings have been relevant. They haven't played a game on ABC. You know, ABC does Sunday basketball at 3.30 for, for the last 15, 20 years, and the Kings haven't been on a game in ABC in, since 2007. But they'll get at least another round because they're going to beat the Warriors <laughs> in seven. And then the 2-7, the Grizzlies-Lakers, good series. I think this might be the best first-round series in the West. Um, just because, you know, John Morant versus like LeBron and AD is a really good star matchup. I think the Grizzlies probably, if you would have asked me two months ago, I would have picked the Grizzlies. But after the, the whole John Morant stepping away from the team and all that, and after the Lakers made those trade deadline acquisitions, they got actual legit NBA three-point shooters, something that they didn't have. They were very unserious from three-point line before the trade deadline but then they got D'Angelo Russell they got some good three and D guys to pair with LeBron and AD and LeBron has slowly realized that okay I'm almost 40 years old I'm still a top 10 player in the league but it's better if I let AD get 40 and if I can get 20 15 and 10 that is just as good and LeBron is kind of embracing that role as the, the best playmaker in the sport and I think he's going to continue to do that so I like the Lakers, I'm going to say it goes seven because I think the Grizzlies will give them a fight. I think the Grizzlies, you know, they they won a playoff series last year, I believe. So I think the Grizzlies take it to seven, but I like the Lakers. Then I like the Suns over the Nuggets in six. Um, I think the Suns haven't lost since KD has been in the lineup. So I think the Suns, if KD and Devin Booker, and I guess you could throw Chris Paul in there, and DeAndre Ayton, I think if they are all healthy and they stay healthy, they are probably the best team in the West. So I'm going to take them over the Nuggets to knock out Jokic. The Nuggets, we, we, we're not going on our soapbox about Jokic, but the Nuggets have not had any playoff success with Jokic. They made the conference finals, but that was before he won his MVP. So since he's been an MVP, they've done nothing in the playoffs. And so I don't. why should I pick them to advance past the second round? I'm not going to. I'm going to pick the Suns over them. Then we got the... It's going to be the Lakers and the Kings. Unfortunately, I think the beam ends here, and I like the Lakers over the Kings in seven. But I'm going to switch here. I'm going to take the Suns over the Lakers as a level-headed pick. I would love to see LeBron make another finals. He's right there on the wall, actually. I don't know if you can see that. That's a poster of LeBron. But um, I, I, I would love the Lakers to make another finals. I would love LeBron to get another crack at another championship. But I like the Suns and Kevin Durant. I think they are probably the best team. They've been there before. I think they're well-coached. I like them to make the finals, setting up. A rematch, in my case, of the finals from two years ago between the Bucks and Suns. So, with that being said, we we've done our brackets. Um, you, you got the Bucks or the Lakers? Do you have LeBron winning number five or Giannis Bucks winning number six. two? I think, I think for whoever 
I think the Bucs are going to the finals and whoever they play, it will be very interesting to see how it affects the narrative of Giannis because we will see him either against Kawhi, Durant, Jokic, uh, LeBron and AD and or Steph. And for all of them, it's Giannis going against people who he's trying to catch on the all-time great list. And I think another head-to-head finals win against any of those people would be really strong for his legacy. You could put the Monstars from Space Jam on the other team, and I'm picking Giannis. I mean, they had no Chris Middleton last year, and they barely lost to the Celtics. It's it's the Bucks in six. I I would tend to agree. I think I'll take the Bucks in six as well over the Suns. I think the Suns probably are the team in the West that can give them the most trouble, just because the amount of um, uh, playmakers that the Suns have. You know, Durant. They can beat you in a number of different ways. Durant, Booker, and all that. But just Giannis is Giannis. You know, Brooke Lopez is having a defensive player of the year type season. How about his career revitalization turns from a post player into a three and D guy and they're winning rings. You know, they, they had that championship experience and Drew Holiday, man. I don't know if you saw the game against the Pacers where he put up 50, but Drew Holiday is a good player. And I think he can limit Chris Paul and like take over that matchup against Chris Paul. So I like the Bucks in six and I like Giannis to win. And I think Giannis, you know, I already think he's probably a top two power forward ever behind Tim Duncan. And I think if he wins another ring and just the amount of just how much of an impact he has on his team, he might be the greatest power forward when it's all said and done, if he continues at the pace that he's been on, but I'm excited for these NBA playoffs. Um, Are there any storylines that you're looking forward to more that like that stand out to you? You know, we just made our predictions, but any first round storylines or just general playoff storylines that you're excited to watch? Yeah, I mean, the I'm curious to see what happens with the Clippers. They made a terrible bed and now they have to lie in it. And of the duos, the big when we had the big summer of new power duos, we had KD and Kyrie. We had Kawhi and Paul George and we had LeBron and AD. And people were crucifying LeBron and AD being a move. They go, we give way too much for him. It's not good. They want a title. They justified that trade. If you win a championship, you justify just about any decision you made to get there. And so, and Kyrie and KD don't exist anymore. So if this, which, which camp are the Clippers going to go in? Are they a real serious championship contender? Or is this just going to be another tragic run in a long line of tragedy for the Los Angeles Clippers? I agree. I mean, I think that's probably one of the most interesting storylines as well. I mean, I feel like in the West, I feel like it's sort of kind of like a changing of the guard in a way, you know, you got the new school versus the old school, like, you know, Grizzlies versus Lakers, LeBron and AD, they've been there. They've won it. The Grizzlies haven't. It's kind of, you know, the Kings warriors is another series like that. I would even categorize the Nuggets Suns as like a matchup like that. So I want, I want to see if, some of these new teams that haven't been to the finals can get there against some of these familiar faces that we see in the finals year in and year out. That's the biggest storyline I'm looking at in the West in the East. I mean, in the East, I feel like the East has the four best teams in the league. In my opinion, I would take, I would take the bucks purely based off record in the regular season, regular season performance. I think the bucks Celtics, Sixers and Cavs. I think I would take them above any team in the West in terms of just power rankings. Now I would pick the Suns over a lot of those teams in playoff series. I'll say that, but I think the East, which of those four teams is going to come out, uh, come out of that race. Because I mean, I think any one of those four teams could win the East in my opinion. 
So I was curious when you said in the world, if, if Phoenix got swallowed into a black hole there when you were talking about the, the best teams. So I have two more thoughts for interesting storylines. One, Rudy Gobert, sneaky contender for worst trade ever in a year where the Russell Wilson and Russell Westbrook trades dominated storylines. That is unbelievable. The amount of catastrophe that has ensued in Minnesota. Curious to watch it. Also, I think that regardless of what happens this postseason, personally, I believe Giannis will hold claim to the title best player in the world pretty much regardless of what happens. But I think there are a lot of people who are willing to have that argument. And what I think is interesting is I think there are at least five players where if they have a dominant performance and they win the championship this year, they can make a plausible argument, I am the best player in the world. So obviously one is Giannis. Number two, Steph. He wins back-to-back. He now has five rings, including three without Durant. Steph just hit the – he's now the best shooter ever in terms of three-pointers made. He's got a valid claim. Jokic, like, I I would disagree, but he would would have two of the last three MVPs, and everyone has said, prove it in the regular – or the playoffs. That's what we said to Giannis, and then he won. He proved it. Jokic could do the same thing, and I think he would have an argument. You couldn't say that's a ridiculous claim. Kevin Durant – you know, I mean, this team obviously is not as stacked as the Warriors, so it would be him still largely being the number one, the clear number one on the team, and he would finally have his, quote, own ring. And then I would also throw Embiid in there, maybe, as far as he finally will get over the hump. He's been in the, especially if he wins the MVP this year, and then obviously the things it would do for LeBron and AD's legacy as well. So somebody's legacy is going to go up at least probably five or six spots on the all 75 list with this postseason, which I'm excited to see who, who's the winner. That's a great storyline. Um, who is going to be considered the best player in the world or who is even going to be considered in the top five? Another name I would throw in there, maybe Jason Tatum, if they can get back to the finals and win it. I mean, he was the best player on that team last year. They're up two one on the warriors. If they can win it this year and he has a dominant playoffs, you'd have to throw his hat in the ring there. I really like that. Rudy Gobert's storyline is awesome. Uh, he got suspended for tonight's game for fighting his teammate. Um, I think it was Kyle Anderson. <laughs> so that's very interesting. I come, I'm kind of hoping for the Timberwolves to lose tonight and then win their their next playing game with Rudy playing so we can see a full playoff series of Rudy Gobert. I think that would be very, very fun. But it's going to be a fun playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. It gets started this week. I'm hoping the Cavs can – pull off a, a miracle run and shock some people but Chauncey thank you for for joining the podcast this week any final thoughts on anything uh that you want to throw out there maybe Odell to the Ravens if you want to give a quick spiel on that or anything else wow. you want to talk about yeah you know if it gets Lamar Jackson back I'm down it was a massive overpay he was going to visit the Jets and so the Ravens agreed to cough up a few million dollars so I totally understand why he did it if we don't keep Lamar Jackson, it's a total catastrophe, but they were seen clubbing in Miami shortly after celebrating. So, you know, I I think Lamar will stay a Raven and I'm hoping he will. I like it. And I hope for your sake that it works out for my sake. I hope it doesn't, but that's where we disagree. Chauncey, thank you for coming on the podcast this week, my friend. I hope you have a good week, a good month. We'll talk and uh, we'll, we'll maybe we'll get you on for the finals, depending on what happens. If the Lakers are in Sounds it, good. you definitely got to come on because I know that uh, your financial future would be pretty happy if that happens. <laughs>
Thanks for having me on, Jack. A pleasure as always. Take care, everybody.